This is Binghamton Now on News Radio 1290, WNBF Binghamton, and WNBF.com. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. This is News Radio 1290, WNBF News. Mostly cloudy today, chance of rain, high near 53. Partly cloudy tonight, low around 40. Mostly cloudy Friday, high near 51. On November 7th, Broome County Special Investigations Unit Task Force concluded an investigation into the sale of narcotics by executing a search warrant at 44 Narwood Street in Johnson City. During a search of the residence, investigators located and seized approximately 4.3 grams of fentanyl pills, 123 oxycodone pills, drug paraphernalia items consisting of digital scales and packaging materials commonly used in the sale and distribution of controlled substances and an illegally possessed and loaded high point nine millimeter handgun. Donald Galloway was charged with criminal possession of a weapon in the second degree, criminal possession of a weapon in the third degree, controlled substance in the third degree, controlled substance in the fourth degree and fifth degree, a class D felony, and criminal using drug paraphernalia in the second degree. Diana Campbell was charged with criminal possession of a firearm, criminal possession of a controlled substance in the third degree, fourth degree, and fifth degree, and criminal using drug paraphernalia in the second degree. It now appears IBM won't be taking back a collection of historical items tied to the company's early days in the village of Endicott. Endicott History and Heritage Center President Ted Warner reportedly wants to wants IBM to remove the machines and other artifacts that have been housed for the past decade at a museum on Washington Avenue. Warner has not returned calls seeking information on the reason for the move. Some members of the museum board question the validity of a vote to get rid of the IBM collection. They assert most of those affiliated with the History Center want the materials to remain in Endicott, often referred to as the birthplace of IBM. The entire first floor of the Endicott Museum is devoted to the history of IBM. Word that the collection would be shipped away was met by shock and anger from many area residents. Endicott Mayor Linda Jackson told WNBF News she's received assurances that IBM does not intend to take the collection out of the village. Jackson said the IBM items will be cataloged and then taken to the Endicott Municipal Building. The collection is to be stored there until a permanent home can be found for it. People familiar with the situation believe there are plans to sell the Washington Avenue building where the Heritage Center is located. The Binghamton area's most famous tree is about to be chopped down so it can be trucked to Manhattan as part of the holiday tradition. The 80-foot-tall Norway spruce in Vestal received a bit more than 15 minutes of fame since the world learned it had been selected to be displayed at Rockefeller Center this year. The tree has been a fixture at a Murray Hill Road residence for decades, located just a few yards away from Binghamton University's East Gym. Workers from New Jersey were busy preparing for the tree to be transported over the last several days. The tree is scheduled to be cut down this morning and expected to arrive in New York City on Saturday. Not everyone is pleased that New York City's most important Christmas tree is coming from Vestal. Some people who live in the area say they'll be sad to see the tree go. While many residents have expressed excitement that a local tree will be in the spotlight, others aren't very enthusiastic. 
On November 1st, the Delaware County Sheriff's Office Criminal Investigation Division completed a month-long narcotics investigation by executing a high-risk search warrant at Division Street in the village of Sydney. Two subjects were located within the residence who were detained and identified as Misty uh, Clinton and Brandon Hendricks. A search of the resident conducted by sheriff's investigators, deputies, and the Sydney Police Department found that Kintron and Hendricks in possession of $1,018 in U.S. currency, suspected proceeds from drug sales, and 254 wax envelopes, envelopes containing fentanyl. Kintron and Hendricks were charged with one Class B felony offense of criminal possession of a controlled substance in the third degree. Kintron was also charged with tampering uh, with physical evidence, and Hendricks was charged with criminal possession of a weapon in the fourth degree. Kintron was released to reappear at a later date in accordance with the New York State bail reform legislation. Hendricks continues to be held due to the weapons possessions charge in conjunction with a prior felony conviction. At Wednesday around 6.37 p.m., officers from the Cortland County Sheriff's Office responded to the Preble Rest Area on Interstate 81 in the town of Preble for a complaint of a disorderly male. Stephen Sullivan was located unclothed inside of his vehicle, washing indecent material and exposing himself in the public location. Sullivan was arrested for public lewdness and transported to the Cortland County Sheriff's Office for processing. He was released on an appearance ticket and is scheduled to appear at the town of Preble Court November 28th for arraignment. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF. From the Golf Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. We sell the ultimate driving machine at Galt BMW. Joseph, this is Binghamton Now for Thursday, November 9th, 2023. Welcome to my world. We have a phone. We have four microphones. We have all we need for the next three hours. 607-772-1290. WNBF, good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Uh, John from Binghamton. I... uh... I have five subjects that will take 30 seconds apiece. Perhaps they're worth more in your mind. All right, go. Topic one. Trump, the mayor of Hialeah, presented Donald Trump yesterday with a sign changing the street name to uh, Donald Trump Avenue, something that we could have done in 2017 if the rhinos uh, wanted to honor the first New York president since FDR. That's number one. All right. Number two, uh, the Battery Hub, Australian news article, again, three days ago, has the 
has a picture of the office, the corporate office of the company that supposedly ordered $230 million worth of batteries from IM3. Everybody should take a look at that one. Uh, continuing with the battery hub, WIVT story, $180 million invested in the IM3 New York plant so far. That, to me, seems to be suspect. More battery hubs. a lot of money, hub. though. Well, $180 uh, yeah, million. We're getting starting to get close to a quarter billion dollars. I mean, that's... Yes, I know million dollars, a million dollars doesn't get you much these days, but $180 million starts to look like a big pile of money. If true, if true. Yeah. Uh, Continuing with Battery Hub News, this is out of a trade journal. Uh, This is what I would term, in my opinion, a real battery hub. Uh, John Deere announced they're having a battery hub in North Carolina. Uh, $69 million investment. John Deere makes batteries. They're in things, and they work. Uh, $69 million, which I guess includes maybe a corporate headquarters, but they're only getting $100,000 worth of incentive money. So uh, that's the end of the Battery Hub. Two more subjects. Uh, one, I told you that I was going to file uh a freedom of information request with the university on the student death. And uh, it's interesting because the university had issued uh, news releases indicating that the investigation was concluded. So uh, apparently uh, with a refusal for my FOIL request on the grounds that the investigation is ongoing. So here's a university that can't get its story straight. What is it? Are they, I mean, if they just don't want me to see it, that's fine. Just well, that's out. fine, and they'll find a way at some point, I believe, going forward to um, make sure that you don't, I'm not saying they'll release no more information, but I suspect if any information is released, it'll be, extremely limited and one of the things they'll probably point to is privacy concerns and and other things i well, i mean we've already discussed i mean whether it's the university or any other educational institution in america secrecy is paramount well uh, not, not with a public institution. It's not. No, it, I'm not saying. No, I'm not saying that it should be. I'm saying it is. I'm telling you, not not as the world should be. I'm saying the world that we live in. The, the truth is, they don't want you. They do not want you to know. Now, maybe if you push it far enough, maybe ultimately the information that you think should be released might eventually be released, but it's. Not likely to be fast. Well, the issue is not the report now. The issue is their conflicting statement. Was the investigation concluded or is it still being investigated? I think that's what I get out of that. Uh, The last one, and I was talking about the election yesterday, and I buried uh, what I wanted to be the lead, was the tremendous decline in vote totals uh, this election in comparison to the last off-year election two years ago. Uh, 
countywide, comparing this is apples to apples, countywide vote for Akshar and Newcomb in the sheriff's race garnered oh, 66,000 votes. This year, another off year, countywide vote for district attorney had about uh, 31,000 votes. So voter participation has declined over 50%. No surprise. And that's, you know, voter suppression, whether it's obvious or whether it's just sort of insidious. You know, first, another thing, and it's not the only factor why few people vote, but what kind of coverage was given to any of the elections uh coverage well, for the DA's race coverage for city council races coverage for the town of Vestal supervisors race or the mayor's race in Endicott um it's it's nothing like it used to be nothing well, you know and so if look if if there had been uh, a really um say this kind of matchup that we had for the district attorney's race and given the dynamics, there would have been maybe a dozen articles, maybe not that many. In in the old days, in, in the newspaper, there would have been a lot of coverage on the radio and TV and even online. Well, but it, it, people, people don't get the information. So aside from this program, John, where are most people going to wind up being engaged about elections or or most public issues well the problem is and i'll i'll leave it at this the three television stations now are owned by very good companies uh broadcast companies that have grown in size but the problem with the direction of those three companies uh they uh don't deal in bad news they don't on a corporate level they don't deal in investigative news so you're going to get the grit, that famous newspaper, I only want to have the good news. That's what you're going to get from them. Money can't buy you love, Bob. And if I was Paul Battisti, I would look at the amount of money that I spent in the last two elections when I uh, knot my tie in the morning and say, holy cow. <laughs> that was a lot of money for well, a little result. Well, in, in the end... Even if only three people voted, if the winner received two votes and the other uh, candidate received one vote, that even if, if it worked out to $45,000 a vote, I, w- I guess that would be viewed as a um, smart investment, I suppose. Thank you, John. A lot of topicality there to get things going. So what do you think? It's 919 at WNBF. Bob Joseph. Here for you, already out and about reporting on one thing, and I think we think the way the day is shaping up, this is going to potentially be a busy, busy local news day, potentially. Although maybe things will calm down. I don't know. Could things calm down? After the first nine hours of the day, I don't know. As they say on the radio, stay tuned. 
Our number is 607-772-1290. If you would like to participate, you're welcome. The red carpet, figuratively speaking, is rolled out for you. Binghamton Now, 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and streaming at WNBF.com. WNBF at 925 with all the hits all the time on talk radio. I don't understand it myself, but that's the way it is. <laughs> well, how is the weather around your place overnight? Any any issues? Did you encounter any issues or answers on the roadways? I understand some places. To the east and north... The Binghamton District received um, frozen precipitation. So if you did, uh, certainly, certainly kind of preview of the next six to eight months, I guess. Uh, here, here in the Binghamton District, um, apparently it's okay, as far as I know. Weather-wise, it's okay. I'm not referring to anything else at the moment. Here's the forecast. From the National Weather Service, mostly cloudy today. A chance of showers for a bit this morning. Otherwise, rain-free, high 55. Cloudy tonight, low 40, partly sunny tomorrow, high 51. Partly sunny Saturday, high 44. Right now in downtown Binghamton, it's 49. That's 9 Celsius at News Radio WNBF, the only station bold enough to provide the temperature in the metric system. <laughs> a lot of people say, well, we can't do the metric system. Uh, for us, the metric system only works for two-liter bottles of soda or pop. America managed to make the transition from 64-ounce bottles of highly sweetened carbonated beverage to <laughs> two-liter bottles. We had no problem with that transition. Anything else going metric has been problematic because... Well, just because. Same with the uh, the ongoing problem with choosing a time, any time. Well, we can't choose what time, so we're going to change the clocks twice a year. 
Okie dokie. It's only 2023. It's going to take a while to work on these issues. Air quality this morning looks uh, good. Air quality index is 25, so go out and breathe. It's 928 at WNBF. I was unimpressed with um, the latest witness in the trial of um, the former guy. Well, the former guy's organization. Technically, the former guy themselves are not on trial. Uh, They have an organization. I was a kid. I used to hear about some organization that did business around here. But anyway, that's different. That's different from this trial. The um, trial now in New York City is uh, it's compelling. Not every witness has much to offer. Uh, the latest witness, she, in my opinion, based on a few of the news accounts I've read, I don't think she really moved the case forward at all. So I think at one point they were planning on calling the latest witness to uh, come back today and testify some more. But I guess the way things went on Wednesday, the people the people involved in the case figured this is pointless. The headline, uh, she takes the stand at the former guy's New York City fraud trial. <laughs> and she's forgetful. You know, what is it? What is it about humans that when they're on the witness stand, they become more and more forgetful? Well, I don't remember that. I don't remember. How am I supposed to know? It was just our family's organization. You look at me as though I should remember any of this. How the how should I know about The stuff we did. (laughs) What our organization did. (sighs) Well, I don't know. You were part of the organization. You should remember something. Well, I don't. So, apparently because of her apparent memory issues... The uh, the people at the trial decided, okay, there's no point, no point in having you back. Thank you. Let's see. Oh, here's New York Times. Three things we learned from her trial testimony. Former guy's daughter said she had little knowledge of the financial documents at the heart of the civil fraud case. This is a story by Kate Kristovic in the Times. She spent five hours on the witness stand two days after her father testified in a fraud trial that threatens his business empire as he kicks off another run for a top-level job with the U.S. government. The witness was the final family member to testify at the trial, which stems from a lawsuit brought by New York Attorney General Letitia James. She's accused the former guy and other defendants, including his companies and his sons, of inflating the value of assets to obtain favorable loans and insurance deals. The judge 
ruled even before the trial began five weeks ago that the former guy and the other defendants were liable for fraud. He'll decide the guy's punishment. Tish James has asked that the former guy pay $250 million and that he and his sons be permanently barred from running a business in New York. The guy has denied wrongdoing. His attorneys have argued that the assets had no objective value and that differing valuations are common in real estate. Let me just skim. Really wish we had uh, tapes of this testimony. Uh, she said of her father, quote, I would assume he would have personal financial statements. Those were things that I, or those weren't things that I was privy to. Mm, what else? Occasionally, the witness appeared frustrated with the repetitiveness of the questions posed by the Attorney General's lawyer, but she smiled rather than scowled. After court, Letitia James called the witness very, very nice and very friendly, but added at the end of the day, this case is about fraudulent statements of financial condition that she benefited from. So, witness perceived to be very, very nice, very friendly, And to her credit, she did not scowl on the witness stand. It's 9.33. Let's go back to the phones. Good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Bob from Boston. Hey, what's up? I noticed that Biden's brother and that Pew Connor are getting subpoenaed. How come you won't bring that up but Ivanka Trump? Do you see what I'm saying here? Every day, it's the same thing. No matter what else is going on with those crooked Democrats, you're right on Trump again. Do you think people may be getting tired of not hearing the other side? That's why you're here. that's That's why we rely on you. You're the other side correspondent. I was just coming back from giving, getting blood work done at Enwell family, and I heard this. I don't listen to you, but I read. I read. I, I, I'm a knowledgeable person. Listening to you is like going back to third grade or something. So, yeah, it's just really sickening. I can't believe people just don't hold you accountable like I do. Oh, I heard this lady the other day after I gave you some jazz. Oh, Bob. I don't know why these people do this to you. You bring it on, pal. With I your don't. liberal. Oh, come on, man. With your I, liberal. I don't no. bring it on. Yes, you do. Every day. If no one's calling, you have to start in with Trump to get me or Dave or Rob from Port Creek. I'd love to meet those guys. I would. I may even start a Republican. Why don't, I, here's an idea. Why don't you start your own talk show and then oh, they can I call would. you every day? Give me some time on there. I, you'd be off the air. I didn't say on this station. This station's not going to put on the Bob from Vestal show. Yeah, they would. They'd get more ratings than you. Uh, anyway, yeah, I'm thinking the Vestal Library has a big meeting place in the back. And I'm thinking maybe if I started some kind of a Republican, you know, get to meet these people who think like I do. Because you're spreading this crap just like the mainstream media every day. And nobody's getting the other side of the story. 
It's always Trump, Trump, Trump. We're so sick of that. Why can't you talk about Biden's kid and his brother getting subpoenaed? Because the, for, guy, the former guy is more popular. I, I hate that, man. I hate that. He's Donald Trump. Okay? He ain't the family guy. You... seem to have lost the satellite link with Vestal. We'll have technicians work on it. I'm sure if I pay our technicians enough, they'll uh, slow walk their troubleshooting. I'm going to give them a deadline of uh, reestablishing the connection with Vestal for sometime afternoon. Please, technicians, please don't hurry. It's no rush. I don't want the connection with Vestal established before noon. Maybe, maybe like at 1230 when my friend Dan Bongino takes to the air. This is Bob Joseph, a voice of reason in an otherwise unreasonable forest. This is no echo chamber. 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 Hi, WNBF. Good morning. You're on the air. Yeah, I'd like to talk to Bob. All right. Uh, Mr. Joseph, we'll speak with you in a moment. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Johnson City, Kevin. Please stand by. Let's go back to the phones now. And Kevin in Johnson City, good morning. You're on WNBF. Yeah, I'm on uh, Bob's side. Uh, that's pretty immature of your... Uh, Former guy, yeah, that's all you ever say is the former guy. His name is Donald Trump. He was the former president of the United States of America. And that's just the way it is. And someday, you know, he'll be back in office, I hope, and uh, this country will be back on the right track. Get rid of, you know, people like you. Goodbye. Love you, Bob. You heard it. He loves me. He really loves me. 9.38, 22 before the hour. He really loves me. You heard it live on WNBF, 92.1 FM, 1290 AM. Streaming at WNBF.com. He really loves me. Binghamton now with Bob Joseph live at 9.43, serving Binghamton and beyond. We don't focus only on the Binghamton districts. We focus on the world. All issues are on the table on Binghamton now. Another Broome County Pharmacy bites the dust. Another one bites the dust. 
Another one bites the dust. They're dropping like flies as, um, sadly, as we suspected in recent days, another important pharmacy in the Triple Cities has been shut down. A major company basically has said, we don't want to do business with you. So Walgreens has now shut down their unit at 335 Main Street in Johnson City. Complete details and pictures, both of the store when it was open about a week and a half ago, and now that it's closed. What pharmacy will close next in the Triple Cities? Stay tuned as they continue to shut down soon. <laughs> It's likely to be one pharmacy left in the tri-state area. Good morning, WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? It's Beverly. I'm calling from the town of Dickinson. Yeah, I heard the kids took down your uh, pedestrian bridge. All the kids yeah, uh, got, it, got it taken down. It looks awesome. It looks, it looks, very, it looks very nice. I think um, uh, where you walk... Where you did walk up to the bridge, they're going to flatten that out. I think they're going to make it look so nice. Yeah, well, like you said, it was there. It was out there a long time. So, and sometimes, sometimes they said, sometimes they said it was attracting the undesirable element. Yes, it probably, it probably was. No, I, I didn't know that, Bob. Of course, I'm not out at night. I. I'm usually, if I do go out, I'm usually home by 5 o'clock before it gets dark, so. Well, it's like they say, by the way, it's like they say, nothing good happens after 5 o'clock. That's right. I called to ask you, uh, how come Mr. Cortex didn't run again? He lost the uh, Republican primary in June. Uh, Michael Korchak was defeated by Paul Batisti in the primary on June 27th. I think when I was on jury duty, I think I, I saw him in court. I'm not sure. Who? Uh, Michael Korchak? No, no, Batisti. Oh, it could be. I mean, he's been a very, uh, very active defense attorney. Um, for many years, I I remember. I won't mention it now. I re- remember one especially high-profile case from uh, a few years ago, and I, I at the time I had no idea that he was um, planning a run for district attorney. But he was representing a high-profile uh, government official, and little did we know that uh, just a few years later he would be elected district attorney. Yeah, I uh, I'm kind of surprised about that about that O'Connor that he that he was doing things, but I guess that happened. Well, I don't know. You know who knows about anything? I mean, anything. It's it's always it nothing. Let's face it. You know, life is life is. Um, Filled with surprises, we don't know what we don't know. That's right. 
All right. Well, thanks for the update about the pedestrian bridge. I want to uh, personally extend my congratulations to the New York State Department of Transportation, as well as the contractors for a job well done with the uh, removal of that 55-year-old pedestrian bridge. safe, too. I noticed that. Yes. When they were, when they were working, because we see them. Um, I went to the hospital one night, and we were coming home, and we went up we we went up front street to the roundabout and I seen where they were they were you know they were doing so good they did compelling work the only sad thing is now um I think they're out of pedestrian walkways in Broome County to take down. I think there's only one left, and uh, they don't want to take that one down yet because they just uh, redid it. The walkway over Holly Street between the county office building and the uh, George Harvey Justice building, that walkway was recently um, rehabilitated. So apparently that one isn't going to be taken down for at least another three or four years. Uh, have you tried walking, walking, uh, walking that area uh, from McDonald's down to Bevere Street? Have you walked that yet? I have not. I'm a, a little reluctant to do so. Well, I got partway through it, and I had to turn around and come back. I thought I could be, I could go all the way, but it didn't work. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I. I, I'm a little bit concerned about security. Right, walkers too. Well, do they have any kind of police that patrol that? Because I'm afraid if I, I'm walking along there just by myself, I mean, is it safe? Do they have uh, police patrols like on scooters or or on bikes? But you see a lot of people, a lot of college kids walking that walking that way. You see a lot of a lot of families with you know with. With children in a stroller and stuff. You should have some cops, like on Segway scooters. They could have uh, a, a Segway patrol, so they would go back and forth along that, that stretch to make sure that it's safe for the good people like you and me. I wonder if those, um, I wonder if those, uh, oh, I can't think of them. You write, you write, you write them. It's like a, I can't think what they are. What are they, Pop? Those, those things that you write on. What do you mean, motorcycles? No, it's a, it's what the older people use. Oh, I was thinking of like one of those Harleys. I was thinking if I could get myself uh, one of those Harleys, um, but they're not cheap. The good ones are not inexpensive. But that... If I got one of those, I could zip, zip from one end of that uh, pathway to the other without even uh, uh, breaking a sweat. Is there a sign there that says you can't drive uh, a motorcycle on it? I don't think I, I don't think so. I, I know people ride bicycles. Well, so if there's no sign, I mean, obviously, if they don't want you to ride a motorcycle, they would put up a sign. I seen a guy pushing his motorcycle out. Hmm. Maybe it ran out of gas. So. All right. Well, keep me posted. If you see anything, be, be sure to give me a call. Okay, honey. Bye bye. Nine fifty one WNBF. We have correspondence positioned 
around Broome County. Of course, you heard from our Vestal correspondent with what's going on there. You just heard from our correspondent in the town of Dickinson. We began the program with a correspondent from the west side of Binghamton. Correspondents are positioned around the region to give you a live perspective on what's going on. That's why we call it Binghamton Now, WNBF. Six zero seven 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 two twelve ninety is the number to talk on Binghamton now. Fifty-seven. The Flash apparently official. This from the Washington Post. Just uh, uploaded to the Washington Post website within the past five minutes. Headline, Tim Scott appears with girlfriend at debate, ending mystery over her identity. The story is by Merrill Kornfeld. Senator Tim Scott spoke longer than any other candidate on the debate stage in Miami, but nothing he said garnered as much attention online as what he did once the event ended. Shortly after the candidates, says the presidential candidate, spelled wrong. I'm sure they'll correct that here on the website. Instead of presidential, it says presidential, as in P-R-E-C. But shortly after the presidential candidates had finished their closing remarks, Scott walked to the edge of the stage, greeting a blonde woman in a light gray pantsuit. He escorted her to the podiums and held her closely as they smiled together and posed for photos. At the same time, other candidates appeared with their families. Reporters and audience members were quick to notice the pair held hands at one point. Who could she be, they wondered. The campaign quickly confirmed she was indeed the girlfriend he had previously hinted at, but never before publicly revealed, giving reporters at first just a first name, Mindy. You remember Mindy. Soon, online sleuths tracked down her social media pages and details about her life. Mindy, I'm going to mention her last name. It's here in the Washington Post story. Mindy, according to public records and online information, is a design and renovations manager for a Charleston, South Carolina real estate outfit and a mother of three. The campaign confirmed she was his girlfriend but declined to share more details. Again, this flash just posted within the last few minutes at the Washington Post website. The moment marked an end or maybe a beginning to speculation about Senator Scott's relationship status. Before the debate, Scott had said he was dating a Christian woman, someone who agreed with his religious values. He previously told the Washington Post that they met through a friend at his church, sharing some color of their previous dates in the most revealing conversation yet about his recent dating life. He said, 
I can't imagine dragging her onto the campaign trail unless I have the intention of marrying her. I hope that happens, to be honest with you. This interview with the Post spurred more questions and headlines, such as the New York Times headline, Do Voters Actually Care That Tim Scott Isn't Married? And the Daily Beast headline, Please Stop the Weird Obsession with Tim Scott's Love Life. So there you have it, folks. That's the story from the campaign trail, Making Contemporary News. Again, the headline, according to the Washington Post, Tim Scott appears with girlfriend at debate ending mystery over her identity. It's 10 o'clock at WNBF. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF News. Mostly cloudy today. Chance of rain high near 53. Partly cloudy tonight low around 40. Mostly cloudy Friday high near 51. On November 7th, Broome County Special Investigations Unit Task Force concluded an investigation into the sale of narcotics by executing a search warrant at 44 Narwood Street in Johnson City. During a search of the residence, investigators located and seized approximately 4.3 grams of fentanyl pills, 123 oxycodone pills, drug paraphernalia items consisting of digital scales and packaging materials commonly used in the sale and distribution of controlled substances and an illegally possessed and loaded high-point 9mm handgun. Donald Galloway was charged with criminal possession of a weapon in the second degree, criminal possession of a weapon in the third degree, controlled substance in the third degree, controlled substance in the fourth degree and fifth degree, a Class D felony, and criminally using drug paraphernalia in the second degree. Diana Campbell was charged with criminal possession of a firearm, criminal possession of a controlled substance in the third degree, fourth degree, and fifth degree, and criminally using drug paraphernalia in the second degree. It now appears IBM won't be taking back a collection of historical items tied to the company's early days in the village of Endicott. Endicott History and Heritage Center President Ted Warner reportedly wants to wants IBM to remove the machines and other artifacts that have been housed for the past decade at a museum on Washington Avenue. Warner has not returned calls seeking information on the reason for the move. Some members of the museum board question the validity of a vote to get rid of the IBM collection. They assert most of those affiliated with the History Center want the materials to remain in Endicott, often referred to as the birthplace of IBM. The entire first floor of the Endicott Museum is devoted to the history of IBM. Word that the collection would be shipped away was met by shock and anger from many area residents. Endicott Mayor Linda Jackson told WNBF News she's received assurances that IBM does not intend to take the collection out of the village. Jackson said the IBM items will be cataloged and then taken to the Endicott Municipal Building. The collection is to be stored there until a permanent home can be found for it. People familiar with the situation believe there are plans to sell the Washington Avenue building where the Heritage Center is located. The Binghamton area's most famous tree is about to be chopped down so it can be trucked to Manhattan as part of the holiday tradition. The 80-foot-tall Norway spruce in Vestal received a bit more than 15 minutes of fame since the world learned it had been selected to be displayed at Rockefeller Center this year. 
The tree has been a fixture at a Murray Hill Road residence for decades, located just a few yards away from Binghamton University's East Gym. Workers from New Jersey were busy preparing for the tree to be transported over the last several days. The tree is scheduled to be cut down this morning and expected to arrive in New York City on Saturday. Not everyone is pleased that New York City's most important Christmas tree is coming from Vestal. Some people who live in the area say they'll be sad to see the tree go. While many residents have expressed excitement that a local tree will be in the spotlight, others aren't very enthusiastic. On November 1st, the Delaware County Sheriff's Office Criminal Investigation Division completed a month-long narcotics investigation by executing a high-risk search warrant at Division Street in the village of Sydney. Two subjects were located within the residence who were detained and identified as Misty Clinton and Clinton and Brandon Hendricks. A search of the resident conducted by sheriff's investigators, deputies, and the Sydney Police Department found that Kintron and Hendricks in possession of $1,018 in U.S. currency, suspected proceeds from drug sales, and 254 wax envelopes, envelopes containing fentanyl. Kintron and Hendricks were charged with one Class B felony offense of criminal possession of a controlled substance in the third degree. Kintron was also charged with tampering uh, with physical evidence, and Hendricks was charged with criminal possession of a weapon in the fourth degree. Kintron was released to reappear at a later date in accordance with the New York State bail reform legislation. Hendricks continues to be held due to the weapons possessions charge in conjunction with a prior felony conviction. At Wednesday around 6.37 p.m., officers from the Cortland County Sheriff's Office responded to the Preble Rest Area on Interstate 81 in the town of Preble for a complaint of a disorderly male. Stephen Sullivan was located unclothed inside of his vehicle, watching indecent material and exposing himself in the public location. Sullivan was arrested for public lewdness and transported to the Cortland County Sheriff's Office for processing. He was released on an appearance ticket and is scheduled to appear at the town of Preble Court November 28th for arraignment. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF. to now, Bob Joseph, another big hour ahead on WNBF. be taking more calls so if you have thoughts about anything you can call in as always some restrictions may apply and this offer may not be valid in nevada stay tuned we'll have more listener contributions coming up on binghamton's best daily talk program joined now by broom county democratic party chair karen Beebe. good morning 
Good morning, Bob. How are you? I'm well. Thanks for uh, joining us this morning. So, the 2023 elections are history. What are your takeaways? Well, I I am incredibly proud of the candidates that we ran in 23. And um, honestly, those candidates really resonated with voters, and it shows in our win. We have uh, five wins on city council. We held Vestal. And we have quite a few races that are still too close to call. Um, they'll probably go to hand count. So, I mean, it's been incredibly energizing. And like I said, it just goes to show the candidates, their messaging really resonated with Broome County voters. Five out of seven city council seats in Binghamton. And this is happening at a time that the city has a Republican mayor. So what ultimately do you think this means for Binghamton starting in January? Well, I think we're going to start seeing some progress on the fronts that are important to the voters in Binghamton. Um, I know housing is a huge topic of discussion. I know flood mitigation. These are concerns for folks. And obviously, they're feeling unheard by the Republican majority and the, the city council and within the mayor's office. So I think we're going to start seeing some movement now that we have a supermajority. So... As far as uh, one of the highest profile um, races, of course, district attorney, Matthew Ryan had a, a hard fought campaign against Paul Batiste. But as Mr. Ryan mentioned frequently during the campaign, he didn't have uh, the same level of resources. I don't know the numbers, but I think it's clear that uh, the winning candidate in this case spent a lot more than uh, the Democratic candidate did. Do you think that was uh, much of a factor in in the, the fact that uh, the Democratic candidate was not able to win? Um, you know, I think that finances always play a role. Um, I know that Matt really outperformed. I think he did a great job. And um, let's not forget that um, candidate Batiste had really been campaigning since his last um, go for DA. He had a primary, his name, he had a lot of visibility. Um, Matt really came in, even though he announced back in the spring, he was already late to the game because Paul had, you know, four years ahead of him. So yeah, I, I also don't know the numbers. And, and unfortunately I didn't look into that before I called you, but I, I wouldn't doubt that Matt was probably outspent five, if not 10 to one. We're talking with Karen Beebe, chair of the Broome County Democratic Committee. Town of Vestal had a high-profile race, and the uh, Democratic candidate won. And In fact, uh, Maria Sexton had defeated the uh, incumbent supervisor, John Schaefer, in the primary in June. So Mr. Schaefer ran on the conservative party line. What are your thoughts about what happened in Vestal? Um, yeah, Vestal definitely was complicated. But again, these candidates, um, that came through the primary process were really energized by a group of, um, I wouldn't say local activists, but there was definitely um, a voice coming out of Vestal. They were unhappy with some of the decisions that had been um, coming through. And um, again, that messaging, they were able to get that messaging to voters and they simply just agreed with, with um, Maria and Bob and Glenn. So there they are. And across the river in Endicott, that was another unusual race with uh, three candidates vying for mayor. 
In the end, the Republican candidate, Nick Burlingame, defeated the uh, two other candidates, including the incumbent, Linda Jackson, who was running on a third-party line that she established, and also the Democratic candidate, Larry Coppola. What about Endicott? So Endicott, yeah, that's another sticky situation. Um, I think having a three-way race was definitely, uh, you know, that definitely leans in Larry's favor. Um, unfortunately, it didn't go the way we had hoped. But really what we're looking forward to in 24 is increasing voter turnout. I think that's going to play a big role. Of course, the biggest county race next year will be for county executive. And Jason Garner is already uh, in fundraising mode looking ahead. Yes, uh, you have to. The election's only 362 days away. Let's talk about. Well, I mean, let's face it. Who's no, exactly. It's it's only it's only the political parties and journalists who pay attention to the fact that the polls open in 361 days, 12 hours, and eight minutes and three seconds. Uh, other other than that, the average <laughs> average person isn't going to pay attention until after Labor Day next year. But yeah. let's talk about that race. That certainly will be the highest pro file here in Broome County. It will. And I think it's very um, telling to say, Jason, I, no one's announced who's going to run against him. And I think that speaks to um, his strengths as a leader and all that he's done and brought to Broome County. Um, I think we're going into 24 in a very strong position. Jason has a, an excellent working record. And um, I'll be interested to see who the GOP thinks they can put up against him. Well, so much speculation right now centering on former yep. Binghamton Mayor Rich David. He was on the program a few days ago acting as a surrogate for uh, Paul Battisti. And, of course, I couldn't help but ask him at the end of the <laughs> conversation, well, Mayor David, come on, you know, here, here's your perfect opportunity. We have dozens of people yeah. tuned in. Tell us about yeah. your plans for 2024. And unsurprisingly, he he did say, basically, that he's considering all his options, but he also acknowledged uh, a lot of Republicans are, are encouraging him to challenge Jason Garner next year. Um, I, I'm surprised, but not surprised that he wouldn't take that opportunity. Uh, I mean, I'm definitely listening. I'm waiting to hear that answer. But um, let's just take note that when he ran against Senator Webb um, in a race that he ultimately lost, he announced back in May. Um, about about like 18 months in advance of the race. So um, to get this close, it's November. I mean, 24 is in two months, and he hasn't said a word. I'm I'm curious. I'm definitely paying attention. Well, it's, I think 2024 will be fascinating on many levels. Any other uh, closing thoughts either about the uh, election this past Tuesday or looking ahead to next year? Well, the other thing, the elephant in the room if you know what I mean, is the presidential election. I, oh, I guess goodness. probably <laughs> some people will be looking forward to November 2024 just to see who who the uh, Democrats and Republicans actually will have facing each other. I, I think a lot of people at this moment believe they know what the matchup is going to be, but I, yeah. I, I wouldn't say, I mean, let's face it, um, in politics, 24 hours or 48 hours can be an eternity. Things can change for all sorts of reasons. But what are some of your thoughts looking ahead to next year's presidential election? Oh, my goodness. I wish I had a crystal ball. It would make things a lot easier. Um, I think it's I, I think we're going to it's going to be a crazy year. I think there's going to be a lot of money spent on both sides of the aisle. Um, 
And there's a lot of seats. There's Congress, there's state seats, there's presidential. I mean, there's going to be, there's a lot. I, I can't even begin to speculate, Bob. Wow. I'm looking forward to it. As as a talk <laughs> show host and uh, a longtime reporter here in Binghamton, I, I am, I'm ready. And again, it's not that it's just 362 days away. It's just because there'll be so many different storylines, both uh, for local, also, of course, for state legislative races and and for the presidential Mm -hmm. race. You never know. Remember, there was one year when we had in Binghamton two presidential candidates, at least during the primary season. We had Bernie Sanders, who showed up at the Mm -hmm. arena one day, and then I think three or four days later, Texas Governor Ted Cruz was was down here, you know, at both ends of State Street. It was wild. Oh, and did I mention Sean Hannity to boot? That was the high a high point for us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this area is actually of national interest. You know, Broome County goes really goes both ways. It's very purple and um we've seen this county go for Barack Obama, we've seen it go for Trump, we've seen it go back to Biden. So, you know, interestingly, we feel very like we're small on the map, but there is definitely national interest in the southern tier in Broome County specifically. Karen Beebe, Broome County Democratic Committee Chair, thanks for joining us on Binghamton Now. All right, thanks, Bob. Have a great day. Stand 21, live and local, this is Bob Joseph. How do you participate? Many people come up to me and they say, Raj, how do I get in? On the fun. And I always say, first, don't call me Shirley. And when you do call me, dial 607-772-1290. That's how you can add your voice to Binghamton Now. From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. We're still saving the Southern Tier money at Galt Toyota. First is Live and local with WNBF in Binghamton now. 607-772-1290. Mike in the Ville, Harpersville. Good morning. You're on the air. Good morning, Bob. How are you today? Never better. Feeling fine. The weekend is in sight. We have big plans for the weekend. Well, that's a beautiful thing. It's Veterans Day weekend. Yes, we should. Hey. Um, one thing that caught my ear yesterday, I know that you're a stickler for facts, and you, right at the end of the show yesterday, you made a mention how we were the biggest oil producer in the world, and I just didn't think that was right, so I went back and checked. We're number nine, just so you know, number nine on the list. We're, we're right behind Iran. Well, that's apparently not accurate, but what's your source? <laughs> uh, I went online, and I, I Googled it, and I checked it. And it shows all the countries, um, Kuwait, Russia, Saudi Arabia, Iraq, United Empires, Canada, Iran, and there we are. Here's United the information. States. The uh, U.S. crude oil exports. We're, we have so much oil, we have to get rid of it. That's how much oil we have in this country. We are outproducing every other nation on the planet, including Saudi Arabia. This is according to the Internet. So I don't know. You know, I mean, my Internet is the real 
the real internet, the one that everybody loves, not the one that, you know, is put out by, who's that kid who does his uh, crazy show in his basement? You know that guy. <laughs> wait, wait, Bob, let me, let me say it like you would. Come on, man. Okay, come on, man. Here's, well, well, hold on. It says, uh, now, now, let me see. Let me, so in 2022, for sure, this much we know for sure, in 2022, by by a long shot, the USA, you know how they say at the Olympics, NBC Olympics, not regular Olympics, NBC Olympics, the made-for-TV production, they say that USA, USA, and the oil production is uh, is so high in 2022, even the Saudis were shocked. The Saudis, yeah. you know, they, they were... I won't say they were crying in their soup because they don't eat soup as much as they used to. But, but yes, the the U.S. Uh, oil production is just astonishing. We're churning out so much crude that it would make Howard Stern shocked. I mean, <laughs> that's how crude our our oil production is. Uh, this, let's see, here's uh, something that was posted on the internet. Where the truth, of course, is posted. Um, overall, uh, for the first three quarters of 2023, U.S. oil production has averaged nearly 13 million barrels a day. That's a lot of barrels. The previous annual record set in 2019, just before the COVID pandemic, was 12.3 million. So U.S. oil production continues to soar. So we are the champions, my friend. Okay. Well, hey, however you want to cut it, as long as it meets our needs, that's oh, all. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, we—that's hey, that's what I'm about. You know, you've listened, Mike. You and your neighbors in the Ville have listened long enough to know that there is nobody, nobody, in Binghamton or vicinity who is more patriotic than I. And I, for one, am proud to be in a country that is able to produce so much oil that we have to export. Our, our oil exports, I don't think, have ever been higher. That's We're awash in crude, my friend. Well, that's what that's where you make the money, Bob. Yeah, I and know. Like said, I'm not against money. I'm a capitalist. You know me. I, I, you know, Jeff Bezos, <laughs> Elon Musk, and Bob Joseph, when you think of, of the biggest capitalists in the world, those are two, three of the biggest capitalists. Only two of them are billionaires, but, but the other guy is encouraging them. I'm cheering on the Elon Musks and the Jeff Bezoses and people of that ilk. You know, you guys need more billions. Uh, uh. <laughs> hey, Bob, I got one last question for you. Is, is this station streamable? It is. WNBF.com. You can listen online anytime using an appropriate device. On your phone, I mean, I could right now. I've got my phone in my hand, but I won't amuse people by by playing the stream live on the air. But yeah, go uh, whether it's on your um, laptop, desktop, phone. If you have internet access, wnbf.com. Click on Listen Live. The other thing is you can uh, download the WNBF app, which for some reason it's being made available for free. I don't I don't understand why why we don't start charging a dollar twenty nine a month, but I don't make these decisions. Uh the WNBF app also allows people to listen 
to the station anywhere. We have quite a few listeners right now in, in Florida and North Carolina and Tennessee and even California, sometimes even out outside the U.S. So, yeah, it's streamable. The other thing is... Um, if you miss any juicy portion of the program, you can listen later online because um, we we post the programs. Most days the pro- program is posted uh, sort of as uh, a podcast on, on the website. So if you go to where it says listen and then the drop-down menu says on demand and then you can find it there. So if you want to listen to yourself... Uh, here on on the radio later today, you'll be able to to listen to the podcast. Well, I, I like to listen to this about six months of the year because I, I do one of those South things too. And and we've got such a family this year of people of characters that call in every day. We do. I would totally I would totally miss not being able to hear this for six months. <laughs> yeah, you so you'll, like you'll be able to hear us, and and even when you leave town, feel free to call in from time to time. I'm I I love hearing from. From listeners, even if they're spending uh, a few days or a few weeks or even a few months in somewhere like Florida or Arizona, our our uh, friends who are sick and tired of the cold a lot of times go to uh, places that that are uh, shall we say nicer from a weather standpoint. I don't blame them, but they can still listen to the program, and you're still always welcome to call. Excellent. Thank you, Bob. Hey, have a great weekend. Be safe. Thank you. We appreciate all calls. And again, America, the global leader in oil production. Who needs OPEC? I say no PEC. Well, no, I don't say that. It makes it sound <laughs> it makes it sound somewhat presumptuous. Let's not do anything to make the OPEC members really unhappy. Because let's let's be clear, energy fans. This world needs every bit of energy we can get our hands on. So whether it's oil or natural gas or solar or wind or hydro, we need the energy. We do. So, okay, the U.S. is is pumping it out, baby. Drill, baby, drill. As, <laughs> as she said, it's 1032. Bob Joseph... Just a kid having fun on the radio. Join me, 607-772-1290. This is WNBF. WNBF at 1035. Driving 119 miles an hour through Tioga County, hoping not to get pulled over on a Sunday. That'd be a good song. Aaron from Binghamton, you're on the air. 
Hi, Bob. Uh, I just wanted to touch base with you about um, something that the uh, lady from the Democrat committee said earlier. Uh, I don't want to leave our listeners with thinking something that's not true. She, she mentioned that support for we've seen support in Broome County go from Obama to Trump back to Biden. Uh, I don't believe that Biden was the winner in Broome County during his election in 2020. He, I think Trump won Broome County. That's something we might want to fact check because I would hate for our Broome County people to think that, that Biden won in this county because that would be, that would be upsetting for a lot of people. Uh, let me check. I didn't want to have to check, but now I have to. I, I believe she was actually correct, but hold on. Oh, gosh, I hate this. Biden won. Biden won Broome County. Biden beat the former guy. Well, then he was still president. Uh, Joe Biden beat Donald Trump. It was 50.6% to 47.2%. So Joe Biden received about 47,000 votes, and Donald Trump received just under 44,000. So in Broome County, Biden defeated Trump by just over 3,000 votes. So it was it was fairly close. Okay. Well, I stand corrected, but uh, I saw yeah. a map that I looked it up myself right after the election because I was not happy with the election results. And then it, it showed that Trump won Broome County. And then now I well, believe, you know, may, you know, who knows? I, who are we to judge? I mean, yeah. now, I mean, let's look at some of the surrounding counties. I mean, uh, Donald Trump did. Uh, well, in most of our surrounding counties in, in New York, um, he, in Shenango County, easily defeated Biden, uh, was about 60% for Trump and 37% for Biden in Shenango County. Uh, Cortland County was very close, very close, only a separation of about, it's about 400 votes, but Trump won Cortland County. Trump, not surprisingly, easily won in Delaware County. Um, hold on a second. Just so people don't get mad at me, now I'll look up Tompkins County because, no, well, Tioga County, we know Trump easily won in Tioga County. That was a given. But in Tompkins County, for Joe Biden fans, um, and people would say, this isn't a surprise. Biden defeated Trump easily in Tompkins County. But, you know, think about Ithaca. We know what that means. So that was 73% for Biden and 24% for Trump. But basically, uh, most of upstate New York went went for Donald Trump in 2020. But Broome County, uh, to, to your point, according to the final results, Broome County ultimately uh, went in favor of Joe Biden. I guess that sounds right. I won't argue with the experts, though. So yeah, and I'm looking at the map. I mean, the, the map of New York State from 2020 shows uh, a huge swath. Most of upstate New York went for Donald Trump. Um, the, That's an important takeaway. Yeah, and but not surprising. Uh, now, some of the places that that actually did real or where uh, Biden did really well. Of course, we mentioned Tompkins County, um, also uh, Onondaga County, Syracuse area, Monroe County, Rochester area, and Buffalo or Erie County. Uh, those were uh, strong spots for for Biden, but upstate, upstate 
went to Trump. Long Island was very, very close. Um, Suffolk County, I didn't even realize how close it was. The, the two candidates each received 49.4% in Suffolk County on the eastern end of Long Island. And Donald Trump wound up receiving 232 votes more than Biden in Suffolk County. And then in Nassau County, uh, Biden defeated uh, Trump 54 to 45%. But, you know, if, if you look just by sheer number of counties, not by population, but by number of counties, Trump easily had far more counties go for him in New York than than Biden. Um, I'm estimating out of New York, 62 counties, I would say, I would say Trump probably got at least 30, maybe 40 counties. I don't know. But, you know, Trump, in terms of if it was just, you know, if you win X number of counties out of 62, Trump easily won in terms of number of counties. But population-wise, big cities where, you know, that are Democrat strongholds, um, Joe Biden was was the winner in, in most of those counties, all of those counties. Thanks for explaining that, Bob. That sounds yeah. great to me. Okay. Yeah, no, I appreciate the call. Have a nice day. Bye. 10:40 WNBF with Bob Joseph. More calls, more often. You're welcome to participate. Hi, you're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Uh, this is Laura from Binghamton. I just heard some rumor that some of the horse barns and some of the barns up at Cuyahoga Downs are on fire. Do you have you heard anything about that? Well, what I understand is there was um, a fire in a horse stable. But I, I believe that uh, the horses, whatever horses were in there, were led out of the building. So I don't, I don't believe, at least based on my early understanding, I don't believe any any horses were injured. But I, I don't have all the details yet. Okay. All Just right. Wondering if anybody had heard anything. Yeah. Because uh, I haven't heard anything on the news about it. No. I hopefully. Uh, Hopefully Action News will have a, a crew on the scene. I think Action News will have a story about it. Yeah, well, they're not too good with stories and news, you know. Uh, unfortunately, their programming has gone downhill. Well, I'm still going to I'm going to be watching at noon. By the way, we'll we'll be I I haven't been able to do anything on it uh, so far because I've been busy with the talk show. But after I'm done with the talk show. I'll be collecting information, and then we will have some information on the air and also on our website about the fire. Okay. Okay? Thank you very much, sir. All right. So, again, based on the preliminary information, I believe that the fire that occurred in a horse stable at Tioga Downs and Nichols, I believe that uh, the horse's however many horses were actually there, were led to safety. But I I haven't been able to verify that. Uh, it happened early this morning, and I believe fire crews are still on the scene because a lot of fire departments in that part of Tioga County were called a few hours ago. But we will have more information about that story at some point uh, today here at WNBF on air and also online. This is 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, WNBF.com. 
1047, this is Binghamton Now. I'm Bob Joseph on WNBF. Anne Marie in Johnson City. Good morning. You're on the air. Yes, hi, Bob. Good morning to you also. Um, I just wanted to remind everybody of the Faithful Peace Community Supper, which will be held this Sunday on November 12th from 3 to 4 p.m. at Owens Hall, which is in the basement of St. James Church. The church is located at 147 Main Street. It's on the corner of Lester Ave and Main. Uh, we do need monetary, monetary donations so we could purchase food um, such as pies, turkey breast. Um, we also need donations of bags for food uh, to put hygiene products in, clothing, and also donations. We always could use donations for the hygiene products and activities uh, because people will be engaged in activities while there. Um, and donations can be made out by writing a check to St. James Church with the faithful feast and memo. We also gladly support people who want to become business sponsors. Um, we hope to continue um, having this community supper on the second Sunday of every month. And this Sunday will be a Thanksgiving meal. And I hope the homeless and people who are in need of a hot meal will come to gather and be with everyone. And I thank you, Bob, for letting me say this on the air. Thank you so much. And thank you. Hope you have a good weekend. It's 1049 at WNBF and WNBF.com. More information now about the fire this morning at Tioga Downs in Nichols. And I believe firefighters are still at the scene. Uh, MyHometownToday.com reports uh, that the fire broke out in one of the horse stables on the Tioga Downs property. Apparently it was before 7 this morning. So according to myhometowntoday.com, a story by Pat McDonald, firefighters from several departments responded to the casino in Nichols to fight the blaze and had it knocked down by 745. The Nichols Fire Department was in charge of the scene. Fire departments from Tioga Center, Wyndham, Litchfield, Athensboro, and Athens Township also responded. According to this story... Firefighters on the scene confirmed that a large number of horses were in the barn at the time of the fire. One person may have been transported by ambulance with minor facial burns. And Jason Settlemore, uh, vice president of racing at Tauga Downs, posted a statement online 
worst nightmare. My thoughts and prayers go out to the horses, horsemen, and women at Tioga Downs. Details are coming in but are sketchy. We're working with the state police who are investigating. So, uh, I've seen several images of that fire in a horse stable at Tauga Downs Casino Resort in Nichols. And uh, at, at one point, the structure was fully engulfed in flames as far as precisely what, what happened, including the uh, status of horses. That's unknown. There are some conflicting reports um, previously I had seen on one social media site that there may have been dozens of horses in there, but the post indicated the horses had been led out of the barn. But uh, as far as the specifics, um, what happened, we don't know. Uh, the United States Trotting Association website has just a brief item that says uh, heartbreaking news that an occupied barn is burned, resulting in a loss of horses at Tauga Downs. So as more information is available, we'll let you know about it on air here at WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and online at WNBF.com. Ten fifty-six WNBF live from local. Bob Joseph hosting the Binghamton Now program six zero seven 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 two twelve ninety. We're taking all calls on this Thursday. Artist there, I, I guess I'll just have to guess who it is, but it sounds familiar. Sounds like something we might have heard uh, a few years back, back in the day. Here's something don't say Republican presidents don't come up with good ideas because they do sometimes. Not always, though. 50 years ago, gee, it seems just like yesterday. Richard Milhouse Nixon, before he had to leave the Oval Office in disgrace, he came up with an idea. Remember, he's a Republican. Richard Milhouse Nixon. <laughs> Fifty years ago, and this was in the newspaper, I, I can't make this up. Republican President Richard Milhouse Nixon proposed a national 50-mile-per-hour speed limit. As I posted on Twitter... Local cops say that would be a tough law to enforce. Can you imagine if Joe Biden? Yeah, that guy. Come on, man. If Joe Biden, the Democrat from Scranton, proposed a 50-mile-an-hour speed limit here today, 50 years later, with the U.S. leading the world in oil production, we have so much oil that we're shipping millions of barrels to um, other countries, if Biden proposed a 50-mile-an-hour speed limit, there'd be hell to pay. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to speak out of turn. No, seriously. If Biden did this, 
He would lose in a landslide. He'd be impeached. Oh, wait, they're already working to impeach him. Never mind. This is the story 50 years ago in the Binghamton Evening Press. <laughs> the headline, a 50-mile-per-hour limit. A 50-mile-per-hour speed limit would be a tough law to enforce, and speeding arrest would jump. Two area police officials believe Broome County Sheriff John Perhatch and Kirkwood State Police Zone uh, Lieutenant Blake Muthig. Oh, Lieutenant Muthig. Commented on the possible effects of the 50-mile-per-hour speed limit that President Nixon is speaking. Muthig said most drivers would probably try to comply with the law if it went into effect. He said it would take a lot of willpower for people to comply, but most people will do what's necessary at a given time. It's amazing how people can adapt themselves when they have to. Uh, I believe Lieutenant Blake Muthig had it all wrong. If there was going to be a 50-mile-per-hour speed limit in the United States, no, most drivers would not comply. Most drivers in the U.S. would not comply. Fortunately, Nixon's proposal was not adopted. It's 11 o'clock at WNBF. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF News. Mostly cloudy today, chance of rain, high near 53. Partly cloudy tonight, low around 40. Mostly cloudy Friday, high near 51. On November 7th, Broome County Special Investigations Unit Task Force concluded an investigation into the sale of narcotics by executing a search warrant at 44 Narwood Street in Johnson City. During a search of the residence, investigators located and seized approximately 4.3 grams of fentanyl pills, 123 oxycodone pills, drug paraphernalia items consisting of digital scales and packaging materials commonly used in the sale and distribution of controlled substances and an illegally possessed and loaded high-point 9mm handgun. Donald Galloway was charged with criminal possession of a weapon in the second degree, criminal possession of a weapon in the third degree, controlled substance in the third degree, controlled substance in the fourth degree and fifth degree, a Class D felony, and criminal using drug paraphernalia in the second degree. Diana Campbell was charged with criminal possession of a firearm, criminal possession of a controlled substance in the third degree, fourth degree, and fifth degree, and criminal using drug paraphernalia in the second degree. It now appears IBM won't be taking back a collection of historical items tied to the company's early days in the village of Endicott. Endicott History and Heritage Center President Ted Warner reportedly wants to wants IBM to remove the machines and other artifacts that have been housed for the past decade at a museum on Washington Avenue. Warner has not returned calls seeking information on the reason for the move. Some members of the museum board question the validity of a vote to get rid of the IBM collection. They assert most of those affiliated with the History Center want the materials to remain in Endicott, often referred to as the birthplace of IBM. The entire first floor of the Endicott Museum is devoted to the history of IBM. Word that the collection would be shipped away was met by shock and anger from many area residents. Endicott Mayor Linda Jackson told WNBF News she's received assurances that IBM does not intend to take the collection out of the village. 
Jackson said the IBM items will be cataloged and then taken to the Endicott Municipal Building. The collection is to be stored there until a permanent home can be found for it. People familiar with the situation believe there are plans to sell the Washington Avenue building where the Heritage Center is located. The Binghamton area's most famous tree is about to be chopped down so it can be trucked to Manhattan as part of the holiday tradition. The 80-foot-tall Norway spruce in Vestal received a bit more than 15 minutes of fame since the world learned it had been selected to be displayed at Rockefeller Center this year. The tree has been a fixture at a Murray Hill Road residence for decades, located just a few yards away from Binghamton University's East Gym. Workers from New Jersey were busy preparing for the tree to be transported over the last several days. The tree is scheduled to be cut down this morning and expected to arrive in New York City on Saturday. Not everyone is pleased that New York City's most important Christmas tree is coming from Vestal. Some people who live in the area say they'll be sad to see the tree go. While many residents have expressed excitement that a local tree will be in the spotlight, others aren't very enthusiastic. On November 1st, the Delaware County Sheriff's Office Criminal Investigation Division completed a month-long narcotics investigation by executing a high-risk search warrant at Division Street in the village of Sydney. Two subjects were located within the residence who were detained and identified as Misty Clinton and Brandon Hendricks. A search of the resident conducted by sheriff's investigators, deputies, and the Sydney Police Department found that Kintron and Hendricks in possession of $1,018 in U.S. currency, suspected proceeds from drug sales, and 254 wax envelopes, envelopes containing fentanyl. Kintron and Hendricks were charged with one Class B felony offense of criminal possession of a controlled substance in the third degree. Kintron was also charged with tampering uh, with physical evidence, and Hendricks was charged with criminal possession of a weapon in the fourth degree. Kintron was released to reappear at a later date in accordance with the New York State bail reform legislation. Hendricks continues to be held due to the weapons possessions charge in conjunction with a prior felony conviction. At Wednesday around 6.37 p.m., officers from the Cortland County Sheriff's Office responded to the Preble Rest Area on Interstate 81 in the town of Preble for a complaint of a disorderly male. Stephen Sullivan was located unclothed inside of his vehicle, washing indecent material and exposing himself in the public location. Sullivan was arrested for public lewdness and transported to the Cortland County Sheriff's Office for processing. He was released on an appearance ticket and is scheduled to appear on the town of Preble Court November 28th for arraignment. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF. Good morning. I am Bob Joseph. Another hour of Binghamton Now. Give me a call at 607-772-1290 and talk on WNBF. I'm not aware of too many things. I know what I know if you know what I
and we welcome you to another um, segment of the program. It continues, as it always does, weekday mornings from 9 to noon. I encourage you to make it a daily habit. And if you're intrigued by the concept, be sure to let members of your family know and also advise your friends that Radio Talk is alive and well in Binghamton, New York, here at News Radio, WNBF, 92.1 FM, 1290 AM. You can always follow us with the WNBF app. The app is where it's at, baby. All the cool kids have the WNBF app on their devices. And WNBF brings you compelling content online at WNBF.com. How about... The Christmas tree. I know people are saying, but Bob, why weren't you at the Christmas tree thing this morning when all the other <laughs> journalists were there? Well, to be honest with you, I didn't want to be there with a crowd. Who wants to be there? Because then it was orchestrated by these high-powered PR people from the city. And I don't... I don't care to deal with high-powered PR people from the city. These people at Rockefeller Center, I'm sure they're the best in the business. But I get the feeling they don't like reporters. Don't ask me how I have come to that conclusion. We'll just say I really don't think the people at Rockefeller Center, at least the PR division, with their high-powered spinmeisters, I, I don't think they like journalists, which is okay. I guess if I was a high-powered PR executive from the city, I would think poorly of reporters, too. Doesn't make it right, but it's probably the truth. So I decided, instead of going and being in a little pen, because that's what they do. They put up their little um, logos and, you know, reporters. You can stay in this little pen. So I, I decided I don't want to be in a little pen. It's not for me. So I went yesterday afternoon before before the media gathered this morning. I Hey, I decided to go out and have breakfast this morning while the media mob was being penned in by high-powered PR executives from the city. I was enjoying a breakfast special in Endwell. So I think I made the right choice while, while all the other journalists were being treated like the animals they are <laughs> to cover a story about a tree being chopped down. Anyway, we did do the story yesterday. Yes, I did the requisite video. Let's listen to this. This is just uh, a portion of the video you can see at WNBF.com or uh, on Twitter at Binghamton Now. And this gives you a, a sense of what it was like before all those reporters descended on Murray Hill Road to turn the place into some sort of um, wild photo op. And this is the tree here on Murray Hill Road in Vestal. By now, uh, not only have people in the Binghamton area heard about this tree, but people across the United States, around the world, have uh, heard about the tree that will be making a trek here near the Binghamton University campus down to Rockefeller Center. All right, so that's what I did yesterday afternoon. As I say, I don't want to put up. 
Not that I mind the journalists. That was the only mitigating factor. I almost went there this morning to see other reporters because these days you get so few opportunities to hang out with uh, other reporters. There are so few of us left in America that, that you hardly ever see any reporters. So uh, that would have been the one reason that I would have gone. But then again, as I said, I I talked to a few people yesterday over at Murray Hill Road, and they gave me the inside story. Uh, the people I spoke with, for the most part, were really nice people, but they pointed out to me the people from Rockefeller Center, they're not really nice people, and they really don't like reporters. Actually, they didn't say that the people from Rockefeller Center aren't really nice people, but they made clear that they don't think much of reporters. They're probably the nicest people in the city, but that doesn't mean that they like reporters, uh, and just the opposite. It's 1116. Good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Yeah, good morning, Bob. This is Vinny from Binghamton. I am uh, I'm calling, and I wanted to uh, just talk about uh, the debate last night. I watched it, um, you know, because like I've said before, I feel even though I'm a Democrat, I feel that it's uh, it's nice to see what the other side has to say, the um and I consider what I saw last night, that was the same, um, you know, the grown-up, the, the real Republican Party that I remember. Yeah, and you know, at one point, at one point, it, it devolved into something that was uh, very similar to the uh, famous 60 Minutes segment, um, Point Counterpoint. And I, I thought that one guy was going to get so infuriated that he was going to blast back at one of his opponents and saying, Jane, you ignorant candidate and then unfortunately that didn't happen but still you know some of the language used i i was i i was um appalled i thought what if children are listening no i i agree i agree and i i would say bob even 20 years ago a guy like trump would never last in the republican party ever up 91 indictments and he's in you know no way he would have been gone but yet he still leads which is Hey, whatever it is, what it is. He's like the um, he's like the um, Duracell bunny. He um, he keeps getting indicted, but he keeps on ticking. So it's uh, you know I I think he's in the race. How many how many charges? How many counts has he been indicted 90, on so far? I think I think it was nine. I think it's ninety one in four districts. All right. So I I think he's he's hoping to uh, get to triple digits by the end of the year, and at this rate, it's it's within reach. Well, you know, Chris, I'll tell you, Chris Christie, he told him, he goes, you guys don't know what's coming. I'm telling you, man, he's got baggage. Biden, if he wins, which I, I, I keep telling, I hope he does. I hope he does. And I want them to debate and I want Biden just to crush this guy. Cause Joey, Joey's going to, he's not going to hold back this time. He's going after this guy. And he's Wait, are, are you talking? Him. We're going to see the, uh, what do they call the the Joe Biden that we usually don't see? The one where his eyes oh, start oh, to... dark, 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 dark night. <laughs> yeah. So, are you saying that at some point during the campaign, we're liable to actually see see that live on our TV? Oh, absolutely, Bob. This is going to be it for him. Terms and everything. This is it. He's going to say, "Screw everybody. I'm going after this guy." This is just a little bit. I was being nice. I was being. Uh, um, um, uh, what, what's the word? I was being p- politically nice. I was being mature. Not this time. I'm going after this guy. If this is the guy you want, if this is your choir boy, 
If this is the guy, you you know, you here's our military guy after what he stole for the mil after what he said about the military and being in the military, all that kind of stuff. Biden's gonna he's gonna nail him. All the ones that the, the Republicans are scared to say about the guy, oh, he's gonna nail him. He's gonna nail him right to the wall. He goes, my God, you got a vice president that you even went after. Oh, he's just just everything. He's gonna bring it up and up and up. And like Christie said, he said he's gonna get destroyed. You guys can boo me all you want. It's gonna, it, the truth's gonna, the, you know, it's gonna hit it. It's gonna hit the wall. You know what they used and, to say, and this might apply in this case: the truth shall set us free. At some point, when the truth finally emerges, and I'm told often the truth does finally emerge, it may take it may take time, but eventually the truth will out, and it shall set us free. Well, yeah, and, and, and I'll tell you, of, of all the, the candidates that I saw, I think that um, Nikki Haley was interesting. Chris Christie, he's, he's you know, he's a, he's a Jersey guy. He was interesting. And Scott, they, those guys seemed like they really would be level-headed, um, I don't know, you know, electable, all that kind of stuff. But I, I think they have some good ideas, good thoughts. Ron DeSantis is just a, he's a disaster. <laughs> It's, he is just a plain kind of. Didn't he get poor. married to a TV reporter? I guess or a TV did, anchor. I, I was just wondering if that was true. Yeah, I mean, not I, not I that know. not that it has anything to do with the price of tea in in uh, Hancock, but I would say this. Um, speaking of uh, former TV celebrities, remember uh, Carrie Lake? She used to be uh, an anchor at Action News Albany, so. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Remember? Yeah, she was. Yes, I do. And Carrie Lake and the rest of the Capital District Action News team. And I'm thinking, like, well, she sets a poor example for the rest of us in journalism because now a lot of people probably will come to the conclusion that everybody who is a reporter in New York State is like Carrie Lake. And I'm here to testify: nothing could be further from the truth. No, no, she she had to fly all the way out west back to fool. I I don't get it. <laughs> well, I don't get it. I I know people who spend um, the winter months, usually three or four months in, during the uh, the cold season in uh, Arizona, and they they've given me some some thoughts about what the average Arizonan thinks of New York's Carrie Lake, and I, I you know I'm I mean as they say. Uh, if you can't say something nice about Carrie Lake, don't don't really say that much about her. Except I will give her credit that she so far has been fairly consistent. Yeah. Well, Bob, here's something to think about. If Donald Trump wins a nomination, I think you talked about this before, but this is interesting now. Who's going to be his vice president? Now I know I talk about Mike Lindell. I was just goofing around. Well, but there could be there could be a new. There could be a newly created in a in a second Trump administration, and again, this is all pure speculation. Uh-huh. And I'm not saying obviously. I, I I would not go so far as say it's likely there's going to be a second Trump administration. But in Wayne's world, you could imagine that um, a second Trump administration could bring about a new agency in the federal government called Department of Pillows. The DOP, <laughs> the, 
the, hey, nation's, hey, the nation's pillow secretary, Mr. Lindell, today said we all should buy these pillows and be sure to get the um, the sheets that go with them and uh, be sure to use um, customer code uh, Binghamton now. There you go. There <laughs> for you go. for 50% off. Yeah. Hey, for Binghamton now listeners. Hey, here's something to think about. Vice President Claudia Tinney. <laughs> I mean, actually, that'd be great. Remember, you know, even though Claudia Tenney hasn't been on the program in the last few weeks, remember, she and I used to, uh, I think we, we got along famously. She was, yeah. she was a, yeah. a, a regular on the program and when it she suited was. her. And I, I actually thought that <laughs> I'm serious. You think no, I'm joking. Remember. You remember she, at yes, one I point, I think even on the air, she said she, she, well, I won't say what she said, but it was funny. At the uh -huh. time, and I, if I could find the tape, I might play it. I, I don't want to take it out of context, but it was really funny at the time. And I thought, hey, if you want me to provide assistance, I can. But it was just it, we we had good times. That's all I'll say. I, you know, I'm I'm not I'm not so sure it's over. Wouldn't yeah, that? Oh, by the way, wouldn't that be funny? In a strange twist, she is the running mate. <laughs> She's the running mate, and then suddenly I make some sort of heartfelt announcement that shocks the world, and people are like, "What?" Yeah, people are are like I shaking really their head and say, "Even people from Vestal would be like, oh lordy, I didn't see that happening.'" <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh my god, I know. Well, you know, know. that'd be like I they say. What? I don't think she could deliver like anything. I think he'd have to go for somebody a little bit well known because I mean we know her here in New York, well, but she's well known because she's been on Fox Cable a lot. Oh my God, that's right. right. Yeah, that's so. True. So and, to uh, to some of the to some of the uh, key key Newsmax and yeah. I, yeah, so she's she's actually I think I don't know that people right here in the Binghamton area appreciate because she's no longer represents this area in Congress. But she mm -hmm. is, uh, if you don't watch some of those channels, she actually has raised her, her national profile. So um, suggesting that she could be on the short list of vice presidential candidates next year. And when I say short list, that means in the top 100. I bet she is. Well, I, I mean, know, man. look I mean, at it this way. If Sarah Palin. Oh, geez. See what I'm saying? If Sarah Palin, yeah. who famously couldn't identify a single newspaper she read, this is what I can tell you without without any equivocation. I am sure that Claudia Tenney, if I asked Claudia Tenney, if I called her right up now, and I still have her cell phone number. I haven't called uh -huh. it in years, but I still have it, unless she changed it, <laughs> which she might have. Um, but... I've got it in my phone, and I could call her up right now, live on the air. I won't, but I could, and say, "Hi, Claudia Tenney. This is your friend from Binghamton, Bob Joseph." And she'd say, "Oh, Bob, I've I've been thinking of calling you. Uh, what's up?" I say, "Well, I just have one question. What newspapers do you read?" And I bet she'd r rattle off instantly. She'd say, "Well, uh, the Wall Street Journal, uh, the New York Times, and the New York Post." Be like, "Okay, thanks. Up, see ya." But remember, oh, yeah. Sarah, Sarah Palin yeah. was tripped up by that tough questioning from Katie Couric. 
<laughs> oh, I know. Uh, yep, yep. And I can see, yep. you know, oh, I can see a rack from my back door. What the heck was that about? First, that I don't was, think her house it, had a back door, and and secondly, what what does did that have anything? To, you know, it, but those were simpler times. We were, yeah. you know, when yeah. you look back, those all those years ago, we are we were all innocent. We didn't we didn't know what was coming up next. It meant something, Bob. You know, it did. I'm thinking of John, yeah, John McCain staying. I mean, yes. it, it meant something, and that guy was, and he was a national hero. And don't let anybody was. dispute that John McCain, and he wasn't perfect, but nobody is. But John McCain yeah. was a national hero, and I respected him for his service and certainly for everything he went through. So you know, for anybody. Anybody yep. to denigrate the late senator from Arizona, that's unconscionable. It is. It is. I agree. Oh, my God. That, that's what I'm saying. That, that's what I... I mean, it makes me sad. It, Vinny, yep. it makes me so sad. I have to terminate the yep. call. I need, yep. I need to take it. a break. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just... It brings up uh, a lot of emotions when I think about... Now, Senator John McCain was unfairly treated. It's just not right. Anyway, we will uh, continue. We'll regroup and take many more calls at 607-772-1290. My name's Bob Joseph. The program is called Binghamton Now. From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. Save in a big way at Galt Chevrolet. WNBF, Binghamton. Back to the phones to go. Dave from Binghamton. You're on the air. Good morning, Bob. How are you doing? Great. How are you? That's good. Not too bad. Um, I just wanted to uh, call because I caught how you said the Duracell bunny, and um, a lot of people might not remember that there actually was a Duracell bunny. Um, and when so in North America, it's actually the Energizer bunny because um, in 1972, it was a Duracell bunny. And then uh, about 15 years later, Energizer wanted to kind of do a parody of the um, Duracell bunny, and so they created the Energizer bunny, and it actually worked, so they kept it. Then there was a lawsuit, and uh, Duracell uh, got the right to see the rest of the world, but the um, uh, Energizer got the North American market for uh, bunnies and advertising. I didn't even know that. Here, I thought I was being cute, and now I look it up. You're absolutely right. And the Duracell bunny made its first appearance 50 years ago this year, 1973. Yep. Oh, my gosh. Well, see, it's a good thing I was trying yeah. to be cute, or else I never would have known. I thought, I thought, oh, I'll, I'll go and, 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 and make a funny. And it turns out you're right. The Duracell bunny was first. Yeah, but what's interesting, you know, and like a lot of things, the truth is often funny. 
It is. And and in the end, it has a lot to do with money because it but says there, there, advertising. yeah, there was a, uh, a a trademark dispute. Oh my gosh, I'm I don't know if I was just like on vacation when this was all going on or just oblivious, but I I was unaware about uh, all the litigation surrounding the poor bunny. And I by the way, it makes me sad because I'm, I'm looking at a picture of the original Duracell bunny. And that was actually a cute bunny, unlike the rabid bunny that uh, the Energizer company came up with. You know, they they turned that thing into some sort of twisted mutant bunny as opposed to the cute Duracell bunny. It's it's a darn shame. Yep. Well, I mean, you can go visit another country and get all the cuteness of pink bunnies with batteries. That's all you want. All right. Well, it says, it says uh, the Duracell bunny can be used everywhere in the world except the U.S. and Canada. Yep. Well, darn the luck. All right, I'm, I'm taking a, I'm going to book a flight to Mexico. I'll be in Cancun this weekend so I can enjoy the Duracell bunny. Sounds like a plan. Enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Information you can use. Hope you have a great day. Thanks. There you go. That's the... Advertising story, making contemporary news. So this is how it's portrayed on the Internet. And, again, it's the Internet, so gosh, who knows if it's true. But Wikipedia, the Duracell bunny is an anthropomorphic pink rabbit powered by Duracell batteries and trademarked for use in all parts of the world except the U.S. and Canada. Mallory Duracell launched the campaign in 1973 with the Drumming Bunny television ad. Well, anyway, you could look it up on, on the Internet. I'm sure Al Gore doesn't mind. It's 1135 at WNBF. Hi, you're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? You can look it up. Yeah, you're on the radio. Good morning. Please turn down your radio. Yeah. Somebody was listening to the dulcet tones of one of America's most beloved voice actors. So, anyway, what else is going on in the wide world of wackiness? Um, oh! Oh, okay. Hi, is the caller there? Hello there, Bob. Yeah, it's Dave from Bustle. Hey Dave, hey, 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 hey! You're on the air. Good morning. You're on. Uh, you're on uh, the fan. Sixty-six WNBF. Yeah. Yeah. Good morning, Bob. Yeah. You know, I, 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 I thought it was Vinny from Queens. Okay. What's uh, yeah. What's on your mind, Dave? No, no. You You already dealt with Vinny. That's why I was calling. I was laughing at you guys. You guys were pretty funny. Well, most of it was stupid, but it was pretty funny. Anyways, um, Bob, do you think, do you actually think if Trump faces off against Biden that they're going to allow him to go head to head in a debate? They're going to find ways out, Bob. They're not going to do like last day. They're not going to shoot him up again so he's coherent. Well, I don't know what they use, but they use something. There's no way he could debate. He can't even talk to himself, Bob. He, <laughs> there's no way he, they're going to let him debate. Of course, way. Way I say way, and I say I'll tune in because I want to see what do they call him, Dark Biden or whatever. I want to see I want to see him pull out all the stops because 
next year's elections for all the marbles. The 2020 election, that was sort of, that was sort of, uh, an exhibition game. Next year, it's for the gold. This will be the most important election of our lifetime. Yeah, but well, you know, you know what's funny though. Nine, probably ninety to ninety-five percent of, of all the Democrats in this country are very embarrassed to Joe Biden. But not Vinny. Oh no, not him. He, he's proud of him. Mm-hmm. He loves him. And Mr. Incoherent. He can't walk. He can't talk. Mumbles, stumbles. I mean, he Bob. He's worse. let's not talk about people's physical condition. Let's talk about what they stand for. Well, we know what he stands for, and he'll never win again. Never. Never. Not well, the last time about. he won by more than 7 million votes, so that's, that's interesting. Even though he was several years older, he still managed to garner more than 7 million additional votes compared to Brand X. That's your, your opinion. All right. Thank you. No, that's the opinion of Congress. That's the opinion of every court. That reviewed the legal challenges. It's not my opinion. This is um, a fact as certified by the Congress of the United States of America. Yeah, and most of the people in there you just mentioned, those different groups, most of them are liberals. That explains it all, Bob. Oh, I doubt it. You know, a lot of the people on courts and a lot of the people in Congress, they might play liberals on TV. But if you take a closer look, if you more closely examine their lives before they entered Congress, most of them were not liberal. Okay. I mean, many play liberals. I mean, even AOC. She portrays a liberal because the district she represents is a liberal district. If she didn't play a liberal on TV, there was no way she could get elected in that district. So she had to walk the liberal walk. Because otherwise, there was no hope of winning. you got to remember, Obama installed a lot of wacko judges when he was in, Bob. A lot of left, uh, far left-leaning uh, judges, uh, a lot of them. Well, I would never go so far as to go on the radio and use that sort of description to a member of the judiciary. I find that, I find that term to be disturbing. A couple of days ago, you, you know, you mentioned Obama and uh, Jimmy Carter in, in the same sentence. <laughs> yeah, they were great presidents. What, can I help it? Can I help that two Democratic presidents were among the best? They were both of those presidents were in the top fifty, to be sure. They, <laughs> they go down as two of the worst. You know that, Bob. All right. Well, that's hey, it's your opinion, and that's why we have the program. This program offers a platform for opinions. 607-772-1290. We appreciate the participation of everybody who calls. WNBF, Binghamton Now. Friendly Radio, WNBF. I'm not ashamed to say I hope it always will stay this way My hat is off, won't you stand up and take a bow 
morning, my friend from Vestal, Bob, my pal, radio pal, is back. Good morning, Bob. My mother loved that show. It was a good show, a great show. My mother would not miss that show because she was an older lady and she just, oh, my God, this is so funny because she was so far from how crazy they were. Okay, uh, I hate politics, so I'm not even going to go there. You know, I got a lot of, I, I think I'm a pretty interesting guy. I've been alive almost 70 years. You mentioned riding a Harley. I had a Harley for 12 years. I've done a lot. of. I'd love to talk about stuff. But then these callers that live for politics, they get under my skin so bad. You know who I'm talking about. Yeah, but I'm not about politics. You know, if I had my preference, we'd be talking about music and just having having fun. You bring politics up a lot, and it's never the other way. It's always the Republicans are idiots. I never you know said I mean? there. That's, I never use that word. No, I, that's my problem with this show. I mean, like if somebody calls and talks about something different, it's so much better. And then you know who calls with is knocking the Republicans and the Democrats are the smartest people. Call Camel Harris and ask her what newspapers. You probably get a, yeah, 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 a laugh. That woman is really not with oh, it. She's very good. I mean, yeah, she's oh, more God, popular yeah. in California because that's where people know her best. No, they don't even like her in California. She put a bunch of people in jail for low-level drug. Well, they were criminals. Things. There you go again. You're, you're criticizing somebody who put criminals behind bars. You know? Yeah. You're 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 talking you're talking uh, you know you're being soft on crime and that's no, not no, you no 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 these people that are punching people in the street and stuff if I was a cop you know what I do yeah I know but then you'd be kicked off the job see that's the tough thing I know a lot of people who would like to behave like like um, a rogue cop that you might see in some sort of twisted movie but. You can't you can't be a cop like that for long because then you get kicked off the job and then you're liable to be behind, be behind bars if you behave that way. And got to tell you, if if you did that as a law enforcement officer, when you showed up to do your ten to twenty in Auburn, they wouldn't be putting you on the plate line. Yeah, but listen, the reason these people are getting away with this stuff is because the cops can't do their job. Don't you liberals get it? I want them to do their job. They should be able to enforce the laws fairly to all people. That's that's my stance. Appreciate it. Thank you, sir. That's a story from Vestal, making contemporary news. Now to Greater Ithaca. Joe, good morning. Yes, new rules. From now on, all disputes will be settled by a pillow fight. Oh, thanks a lot, Mr. Lindell. You're just trying to sell more pillows because you've got got all your pillows uh, overflowing the warehouses. I heard that he's having trouble getting rid of all his pillows, that sales are down yes. because yes. the the companies that used to stock his pillows no longer will. No more war. No more just pillow fights. Yeah, just so. <laughs> Knock me over now, with a feather. What I called about is the economy. Well, we're not in a depression. We're not in a recession. Just where are we? 
I mean, people are concerned about the economy. They say that's one of the high priorities there, and I don't see it. I mean, I see some infl- I see inflation that's starting to subside, and what I see is that we had a we had a big event here that we lost a lot of productivity during the pandemic, and it's just going to take time to catch up. To summarize it, it's where we had there's a br- big brown sandwich, and we're all going to have to take a bite. Ooh, Vegemite. <laughs> Yeah, okay. <laughs> thank you for the thank you for the word picture. Twelve minutes before lunch break. Yeah, well, it's it's just that's what it is. We've had inflation before. I know fourteen and a half percent mortgage in nineteen eighty four. I was going to say, you know, do, do so. people do people remember where this country was in the seventies and eighties? Energy crisis fifty years ago. Uh, we were heading into the winter. In 1973, with fuel shortages, Dick Nixon, of all people, Dick Nixon, Dick Milhouse Nixon, was proposing a 50-mile-per-hour speed limit. He's a Republican. As I said earlier, can you imagine if Biden proposed a 50-mile-an-hour speed limit? Even Democrats would be, get out of here. We had the 50-mile-an-hour speed limit for a short time. Actually, at 50, it might have been only New York, might have been ahead. I don't know, but short time was 50. Then it went to 55. And now it's like 90. I mean, I, I drive on, on Route 17 in Broome County. I, I tell you, some people are driving 90. One Sunday afternoon, there was a woman driving her Cadillac Escalade, I swear, 119 miles an hour through Tioga County. I mean, it was unbelievable. I was driving my Cadillac at 70 when, and Route 81 when it was 55, and I got a ticket for that. And I said, I don't think my speedometer is accurate as a state policeman. And he gave me a ticket that said, uh, do something with your speedometer. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Joe, thanks for the call. Yeah. <laughs> do something with your speedometer. Yeah. Yeah, Judge, do something with your speedometer. Well, I didn't know I was going 119. Oh, come on, man. 11.50. Bob Joseph, good time. Radio. This is Binghamton now. WNBF live at 11.54. DJ in Binghamton, good morning. Good morning, Bob. Hey, you know, I just want to say real quick, I know time's short here. Uh, the level of disrespect has risen to the point of danger. And, you know, the jig is up, man. You know, I, I really think that you should stop with the former guy stuff. First of all, when Mayor uh, 
Matt Ryan or, or, or Rich David calls up, you call them former mayors. Bob told you that he was having medical issues. He's, he's, he's older. He's, and the guy was nice enough to call back and try to settle with you. And I just see that it's, it's going to go so far that there can be all kinds of trouble for the station. And I would really think that you should honor everyone and show everyone the same level of disrespect. And just call him former President Trump. Secondly, I want to say, you take one thing about a president and you call him a failure. You called Nixon a failure this morning. My dad's favorite. I didn't say he was way. a. I didn't say Nixon was you, a failure. You use the word disgrace. Yeah, and fifty mile an hour speed is, limit. Come on, man. Look, get okay, real, what DJ. About Title Nine. I'm not talking about other issues. I said specifically about a 50-mile-an-hour national speed limit. Basically, if Biden proposed the same thing, he'd be almost figuratively tarred and feathered. You know that. Well, when you said that, most people thought of the uh, Watergate. No. No. I didn't say anything about Watergate. That happened. That was a whole different thing. had nothing to do with 50-mile-an-hour speed limit. This was one thing, and that's what Richard Milhouse Nixon proposed during the 1973 energy crisis. I'm saying if Biden did the same thing, he'd be in big trouble. Hey, thanks, everybody. That's all the time we have for today. I'm Bob Joseph on WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 AM, WNBF Binghamton. Now on 92.1 FM, W221 EJ Binghamton, a town square media station.